From, Barry Howard Minkin's book, Brainwashed. America's Cultural Revolution. The Scum the Tides, Foundation, Washed In. Black Lives Matter. It is difficult to imagine anyone taking issue with the obvious, self-evident truth articulated by those three simple words. But when we peel away the veneer of deception, we find that Black Lives Matter, BLM, is in fact one of the most destructive, hateful, racist movements in living memory. Founded by a core group of revolutionaries who detest the United States and revere the nation's most devoted radical enemies, BLM is, at its essence, an ideological reincarnation of the Black Panther movement that flourished in the 60s. An American cultural revolution is not peaceful protest. Douglas McAdams, professor emeritus at Stanford, wrote, It looks, for all the world, like these protests are achieving what very few do, setting in motion a period of significant, sustained, and widespread social, political change. We appear to be experiencing a social change tipping point, that is as rare in society as it is potentially consequential. But who initiated this demand for change? After the initial protests following Floyd's death, public outrage was channeled, by trained activists working from a playbook, into manifestations that often grew riotous. The Black Lives Matter global network and movement for black lives organizations have been the nerve center of the protests. They have been laying the groundwork for years, carefully cultivating a network that could organize protests when the moment came and amplify the message through social media. Indeed, the leaders of the Black Lives Matter aka the Black KKK organizations fueling the summer's disturbances were trained by self-described Marxist revolutionaries who have long used the plight of black Americans as justification for overthrowing America's constitutional order. They frankly admit that such organizing is the key to their goal of world revolution. Our political leaders owe it to themselves and to their fellow Americans to understand this blueprint before rhetorically embracing, let alone implementing, the radical changes that the protesters and rioters are demanding. Are you still big supporters of their attempt to destroy America? Consider the BLM Global Network. The three women who thought up the BLM name in 2013, and then added the hashtag, later founded the Global Network. They remain in charge. As the New York Times Magazine explained, while much of the nation's attention drifted away from Black Lives Matter, organizers and activists weren't dormant. One of the three founders, Alicia Garza, said that the movement's first generation of organizers has been working steadily to become savvier and even more strategic over the past seven years, and have been joined by motivated younger leaders. As the Times report elaborates, one of the reasons there have been protests in so many places in the United States is the backing of organizations like Black Lives Matter. While the group isn't necessarily directing each protest, it provides materials, guidance and a framework for new activists. Deva Woodley, a professor at the New School, told Times Reporter that, those activists are taking to social media to quickly share protest details to a wide audience. These figures would make the recent protests the largest movement in the country's history. Melina Abdullah, of BLM's Los Angeles chapter, told an interviewer that the demonstrations in that city had been strategically planned, we built kind of an organizing strategy that said, build black community, to disrupt white supremacy. Their targets, she said, were the neighborhoods where white affluent folks lived. That's one of the reasons the marches and the protests were in Beverly Hills. The goal of upending the American system is, moreover, also evident among the consultants now conducting anti-racism training within major corporations and foundations. These facilitators of anti-white struggle sessions disdain the capitalist system and seek its replacement, and their propaganda arm, the mainstream media, cheers them on. If Black Lives Matter were a conservative group, its racist policies would be compared to the KKK and be labeled one of the most discredited and despised movements in American history. 
Can you imagine the elite left's reaction to a conservative movement built on a founding lie that has incited riots, inspired shootings of police, and correlated with an astounding and deadly increase in violent crime in America's major cities? But instead of being vilified, San Diego State is allowing some, this is what's wrong with American education, professor to give a course on BLM. How screwed up is that? The publishing of a picture of a man that committed suicide by hanging, as a lynching, tells you all need to know about the type of lowlives that populate this organization. Indeed, the lead founder of BLM, Alicia Garza, reveres Asada Shakur the Marxist revolutionary, former Black Panther, and convicted cop killer whose 1979 escape to Fidel Castro's Cuba was facilitated by the Weather Underground Organization and the Black Liberation Army. Other radicals Garza praised for their extraordinary accomplishments include Angela Davis, a Marxist and former Black Panther discussed earlier, Ella Baker, an avowed socialist with ties to the Communist Party USA and the Weather Underground, and Audre Lorde, a black Marxist feminist. In recent months, you've likely heard some commentators, generally in reaction to blacks' killings of fellow blacks or of police officers, tweet Garza's signature catchphrase to suggest that all lives matter. But this type of ideological deviation is unacceptable to Miss Garza, who reminds us that blacks are uniquely, systematically, and savagely targeted by the state in a way that no other people are. Stand with us in affirming black lives, she declares. Not just all lives. Black lives. Please do not change the conversation by talking about how your life matters, too. The tired trope that we are all the same, Garza elaborates, serves only to perpetuate a level of white supremacist domination. Black lives matter, but other lives? Well screw you. In a 2015 interview, Patrice Cullors, another of the three founders, said that she and Garza were trained Marxists. Abdullah, of the Los Angeles BLM chapter, was born a red diaper baby, raised in the 70s, in the picket lines of Oakland, by activist parents, as the interviewer put it. Her paternal grandfather was Gunter Ryman, a member of the German Communist Party. Garza cut her organizing teeth as director of People Organized to Win Employment Rights, Power, founded by Marxist Garth Ferguson, Patty Schnitzler, Regina Douglas, Brian Russell, and Steve Williams. To Williams we owe the concept of transformative organizing, which insists that effective organizing for social change cannot simply be based on an apolitical and highly specific analysis of what is possible in the short term. Colors trained for a decade as a radical organizer in the Labor-Community Strategy Center, established and run by Eric Mann, a former member of the Weather Underground, the 1960s radical faction identified by the FBI as a domestic terrorist group. The Weathermen explained in their 1969 foundational statement that they were dedicated to the destruction of U.S. imperialism and the achievement of classless world, world communism. The ties between the BLM Global Network and the Weathermen run deep. National Review's Andrew McCarthy revealed in a recent expose that Weather Underground supporter Susan Rosenberg, whose 1984 sentence of 58 years in prison for possession of 740 pounds of explosives, an Uzi submachine gun, an M14 rifle, another rifle with a telescopic sight, a sawed-off shotgun, three 9mm handguns in purses and boxes of ammunition was commuted by President Bill Clinton, serves as vice chair of the board of directors of Thousand Currents, the radical, grant-making institution that until July sponsored the BLM Global Network. Rosenberg was also sought on federal charges that she aided the 1979 prison escape of Joanne Chesimard, a communist now living in Cuba, and whom Colors quotes approvingly in her book When They Call You a Terrorist. Since July, the Global Center has become a project of the Tide Center, another donor and supporter of the hard left and its ideas. Mann, who served 18 months in prison for assault and battery and disturbing the peace, 
remains committed to overthrowing the American system and achieving world revolution through organizing. He calls his strategy center the Harvard of Revolutionary Graduate Schools, or the University of Caracas Revolutionary Graduate School. Mann says that the center must teach people to organize strategically because people think they can join an organization, and go out, and change the most dictatorial country in the world by just showing up. We don't think so. Organizing is a skill, is a vocation. During the center's six-month, intensive training program, classes offer a mix of theory, Mann's wife teaches a class on problems of imperialism, women's studies, strategies and tactics with street activism, where students are held accountable. How many people did you organize? How did it go? They also teach how to raise funds. If we're going to build a revolution, you gotta ask people for money, the poor must pay for their own liberation, so we need to teach you to ask for money, man told the students. I spend my time organizing mainly young people who want to be revolutionaries, man said. If you're not in organizing, your life is meaningless, and you risk becoming a bourgeois pig. The challenge for students, man told the class, was to ask themselves, am I making decisions to change the system? Am I being tied to the masses? Universities serve as vital centers of recruitment and radicalization. The university, Mann explained, is the place where Mao Zedong was radicalized, where Lenin and Fidel were radicalized, where Che was radicalized. The concept of the radical middle class of the colonized people, or in my case the radical middle class of the privileged people, is a model of a certain type of revolutionary. The goal for students, he told his class, was to take this country away from the white settler state, take this country away from imperialism and have an anti-racist, anti-imperialist and anti-fascist revolution. In their 1969 declaration, you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows, Bill Ayers, Bernardine Dorn, John Jacobs, and other revolutionary leaders of the Weather Underground spoke of black people not so much as the reason for their push to destroy American society and institute world communism, but as a means to achieve their goals. American blacks were considered a colonized subject of the United States, along with the people of Vietnam and Bolivia, another victim of U.S. imperialism. Their liberation was secondary to the general struggle. Seeking black liberation for its own sake was just a form of bourgeois nationalism. No black self-determination could be one which would not result in a victory for the international revolution as a whole, the document affirmed. These are the ideological sources for what could be the largest radical movement in American history, one that could lead to real policy changes. One component is street pressure, driven by the likes of man and colors. Another takes place in plusher environments, such as Fortune 500 companies or the halls of Congress. Consultants like white fragility author Robin DiAngelo told 184 Democratic legislators in a conference call in June that their policies hurt black lives. DiAngelo told the New York Times that capitalism is so bound up with racism. It is dependent on inequality, on an underclass. If the model is profit over everything, you're not going to look at your policies to see what is most racially equitable. Up to now, the American system has resisted socialism by offering prosperity and opportunity. Our politicians today need to understand what they're facing from the BLM movement and what is at stake. The white settler state of Eric Mann's fevered mind is in reality the American constitutional order. The imperialism that Mann, Rosenberg, D'Angelo, and others imagine is the American free market system that has been the most successful weapon against poverty ever devised. Political leaders of either party feeling pressured to adopt BLM policies or even just mouth the rhetoric should spend some time examining the movement's intellectual sources, and its political goals. On Fox News The Story with Martha McCallum, New York Black Lives Matter President Hawk Newsom likened the Black Lives Movement to the American Revolution. We go in and we blow up countries and we replace their leaders with leaders who we like. 
So for any American to accuse us of being violent is extremely hypocritical, he said. He later added, if this country doesn't give us what we want, then we will burn down this system and replace it. All right? And I could be speaking, figuratively. I could be speaking literally. It's a matter of interpretation. President Trump tweeted his disapproval of Newsom's remarks. Black Lives Matter leader states, if US doesn't give us what we want, and then we will burn down this system and replace it. This is treason, sedition, and insurrection. Which is correct even if you don't like Trump, agree? Other stated BLM radical goals are to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. We foster a queer-affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather, the belief that all in the world are heterosexual, unless s-slash-he or they disclose otherwise. BLM loves criminals and hates law and order. Currently they are pressuring Democrats to embrace a bill described as the roadmap for prison abolition. They are also demanding their payoff for supporting Biden, including billions to be allocated to corrupt, black-run cities. Worse still, it is not an exaggeration to say that BLM is poisoning our children and our nation. It's not just about their rallies, riots, or attempts to cancel our culture, but we now have proof of their attempts to indoctrinate our children in schools, funded by our tax dollars. The Marxist-run Black Lives Matter organization is working in tandem with the New York Times and teacher unions to force every American child to take part in the 1619 Project, a revisionist and twisted version of American history. Marxists cloaked as teachers are being paid by U.S. taxpayers to indoctrinate our own children and to teach them to hate America, especially white America. Here are a couple of the examples of what we are seeing in public schools, I know there are more. A Washington, D.C. middle school teacher created a lesson plan in which students learned the coronavirus pandemic was caused by racism and capitalism, and in particular by the United States. An Illinois principal invited a BLM activist, who celebrated the execution-style killings of Chicago police, to speak at career day. Still want to put BLM signs on your lawn? The group recently gave the Biden and Newsom administrations an ultimatum, they must replace the Harris Senate seat with a black. It seems they almost got their way, as our eunuch governor, going against the Civil Rights Act again, considered candidates based on their color and national origin not merit. He chose between two black women and a Latino man, former Congresswoman Barbara Lee who, like Harris, got her start being the mistress to a black politician, Karen Bass, a deeply flawed and unqualified black woman who, like Lee, praised Cuba dictator Fidel Castro. She also attended anti-Semitic anti-American Nation of Islam events, as well as events for the Scientology cult. Newsom finally selected Alex Padilla to be the first Latino senator. Padilla, as California's Secretary of State moved away from using voter ID to mass mailings of ballots in California and would support this invitation for voter fraud for the whole country. Moreover, this corrupt party hack got into hot water with his own Democratic controller for misusing $35 million from a pot of cash to hire a consulting firm with ties to the Democratic Party to conduct voter outreach. Marxists getting rich. Progressive and racial justice groups have seen a cascade of donations since George Floyd's death and the ensuing protests. Some estimates say they raked in billions. According to the New York Times, bail funds alone have received $90 million. This is a watershed moment for all black-led organizing groups, said Kaylee Scales, managing director of the Black Lives Matter Global Network, who did reveal that one of her group's online petitions alone had raised $5 million. 
Another person familiar with the group's fundraising said that it had raised $10 million just on Blackout Tuesday. Ms. Scales declined to comment on that figure. What is clear is they are spending many millions to get black radical anti-American anti-Semite Reverend Warnock elected to the Senate in Georgia. The CEO of conservative icon Brooks Brothers sent out a letter to customers expressing support of the objectives of the Black Lives Matter movement, which include a plan to disrupt the Western-prescribed nuclear family, and dismantle cisgender privilege. Cisgender is a term for people whose gender identity matches their sex assigned at birth. Brooks Brothers is just the latest in a long line of woke corporations that have bowed to the BLM shakedown mob. Nike has been a forerunner at using its marketing to push BLM messaging, even as the anti-police propaganda incited a wave of deadly attacks on police officers. Now, big tech giants, including Netflix, Amazon, Apple, Google, Twitter, and Facebook are all voicing full-throated support for the radical Marxist group, as have a large number of beauty conglomerates such as Estee Lauder, Becca Cosmetics, Clinique, L'Oreal, and NYX. If we had a responsible media, they would follow the money. Where did it go? It certainly wasn't plowed back into crime-ridden black cities or colleges. Antifa. Since anti-fascist, Antifa, is heavily composed of anarchists, its activists place little faith in the state, which they consider complicit in fascism and racism. They prefer direct action so when people they deem racists and fascists manage to assemble, Antifa's partisans try to break up their gatherings, including by force. They are a growing group of violent, hate-filled, reverse racist revolutionaries who hide their faces with masks and wear all black, as they vandalize and attack people with opposing views and even those who are rallying support of our country and our president. At least some of those associated with Antifa, punched and threw eggs at people exiting a Trump rally in San Jose, California, where the spineless mayor took the side of these thugs as his Keystone cops watched and did nothing the city is rightfully being sued by the victims of these hate crimes. An article in It's Going Down, a media collective for anarchist and anti-fascist news and opinion, celebrated the righteous beatings. Anti-fascists call such actions defensive. Hate speech against vulnerable minorities, they argue, leads to violence against vulnerable minorities. But Trump supporters and white nationalists see Antifa's attacks as an assault on their right to assemble freely, which they in turn seek to reassert. A similar cycle has played out at UC Berkeley. February 2017, as masked anti-fascists broke store windows and hurled Molotov cocktails and rocks at police during a rally against the planned speech by Milo Yiannopoulos. This is a group that exists to suppress free speech and instigate trouble. Once again in August 2017, black-clad anarchists stormed into what had been a largely peaceful Berkeley protest against hate, and attacked at least five people, including the leader of a politically conservative group who cancelled an event a day earlier in San Francisco amid fears of violence. The group of more than 100 hooded bigots with shields cynically emblazoned with the words no hate and waving a flag identifying themselves as anarchists, busted through police lines, avoiding security checks by officers to take away possible weapons. Then the anarchists blended with a crowd of 2,000 largely peaceful protesters who turned up to demonstrate in a rally against hate to oppose a much smaller gathering of right-wing protesters.